0: Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, you may not be aware of it, but there are Irish crown jewels. The problem is, no one knows where they are. 116 years ago next month, they were stolen and haven't been seen since. William Durham is curator at Dublin Castle. Afternoon, William. Hello, John.
1: How did we happen to have crown
0: jewels in the first place? Who gave them to us?
1: They were actually, well, I should, should probably clear it up a little bit, it's a bit of a misnomer. They were crown jewels because they were jewels owned by the crown, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't what King Charles would have been wearing recently, this coronation. They were the insignia of the Knights of St. Patrick, and they were given to the Irish government in 1831 by King William IV, uh, specifically so that his representative in Ireland, the viceroy or the Lord Lieutenant, could wear them at official events. And occasionally then when the monarch would come over themselves, Um, they would don them at the parties and balls here as well at Dublin Castle
0: Right and in today's money they they would have been worth about 5 million quid
1: It's hard to say yeah probably add a bit more even like you know if you were lucky enough to find them today I'd say just the fact that they they've been so mysterious and so talked about and so lost (laughs) <laughs> for so long there's probably just on top of the monetary value of the stones and, and that kind of thing uh, there's a huge kind of um, I suppose cultural value to them yes
0: now the, so the the, the the kind of some of the details around uh, poor old Arthur Vickers who, whose job it was to look after them it's almost a bit comedic really that, um, and one could be tempted from the British point of view to say that's so
1: Irish that they didn't uh, the security yeah, wasn't he- that tight he, he's a, he's a I, I kind of feel sorry for him, he's a comic tragic figure. Um, so he took over, he was a guy called the Ulster King of Arms, which effectively was the chief herald, and he was in charge of the jewels, and he was in charge of organising all of the ceremonies and that kind of thing here at Dublin Castle. Um, ironically, he rewrote the rules of the Order of St. Patrick two years before this happened, and specifically stated that the jewels were to be kept in a safe in the strong room, um, and unfortunately, when he moved into his office in 1903, um, the safe he had in his old office wouldn't fit into the strong room that he had purposely built. <laughs> so he came to an agreement with the, with the OPW that um, until such time as a suitably sized safe could be found, he'd leave his old safe sitting in his new office library. So by that kind of omission already, he was kind of, um, he was kind of hanging himself out to dry, really. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
0: Now, the, yeah. the, to, to open this safe, as I understand it, required two keys. Who had the keys?
1: I uh, know, only one key, but ah. there were only two keys to it, mm. um, both of which poor Sir Arthur had. He had one on his person on a chain at all times, uh, and he had one hidden in his house in Klonski. Mm. Now,
0: this is, I suppose, where the thick plottons, as the, uh, as the man says, because w- <laughs> w- when, uh, when, when the, the jewels are found to be missing... It was obviously the case that somebody had a key.
1: Well, yeah, and they went to quite a, quite an effort to make sure um, they had the, the, the people who'd made the safe, Ratners, were, they were called, uh, actually came in and took the mechanism apart and they said that it had to be one of the original keys that was used to open it. Had you used um, something that you had kind of made a wax impression of, you know, kind of fleeting two minutes when you might have had time alone with it, such a key would have been kind of rough and wouldn't have been accurate and would have left fresh marks on the lock mechanism the The, the safe company expert was of the opinion that whoever used it or have unlocked it either used the original key or had the original key for at least twenty four to forty eight hours to make a very good polished, almost exact copy mm-hmm. um, so yeah like you say the six the plottens.
0: yeah now the, and i Was Vickers immediately uh, uh, um, suspicious of of Francis Shackleton?
1: Um, Not immediately. Um, There is so much that you can project into this. He seemed quite sure that everything would be fine. Um, In fact, he was kind of, he he made a flippant comment that he wouldn't have been surprised if they were returned by parcel post that evening and Mm. was eagerly awaiting the post. Um, It had been pointed out that at one point uh, a couple of years previously, somebody had actually gotten him drunk, taken the jewels and posted them back to him the following morning as a practical joke. (laughs) Um, So yeah, um, while he wasn't kind of a mad party boy, he, he certainly seems to have had his moments. Right, OK. So,
0: so and because they did post a reward for all this kind of thing, but but obviously, they, you know, the jewels didn't show up. So there, there must have been a point at which, oh, God, uh, we're in serious doo-doo now.
1: Oh, well, like, you know, it, it kind of went like these farcical ends. Like, um, a lady came forward saying that her daughter had a vision and that they were actually hidden behind a gravestone in the graveyard at Cloncilla. So a group of them trooped off out there one evening um to, to no avail <laughs> obviously um and um sir arthur vickers had a, a very very distant cousin in sir arthur conan doyle the author of the sherlock Holmes uh <laughs> novels who also got involved at one point and supposedly loosely based a book he wrote the following year uh on the unsolved mystery of the irish crown jewel oh but again gosh. even even the the great brain behind sherlock holmes uh, wasn't able to recover them yeah so
0: Francis Shackleton as I understood related to Ernest Shackleton uh, shared a house with Vickers and so Vickers and, and I it, it sounded like Shackleton had a bit of form
1: himself yeah, Shackleton um is a bit of a, a, a kind of a shady character. He was a, he was many things but at that point he was a stockbroker in London. He spent most of his time in the UK. He had an honorary position in in the office of Ulster King of Arm's as Dublin Herald. So he really only had to turn up and put on the nice uh, tabard or tunic for the big ceremonial occasions. Um and when he was in Dublin, he stayed with Sir Arthur Vickers, and he rented a room from, uh, which kind of suited them both perfectly, because it meant that he was paying half of Sir Arthur's rent, but really he was only there two or three days a, week, a year, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he, he made a joke on his way back to Dublin uh, two days before they were discovered, um, or two day, the day they were, two days before they were discovered missing, that, um, that he wouldn't be surprised if they disappeared, or if they were stolen at some point. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, and... Um, he seems, to, um, he seems to have had the perfect alibi because he was in the UK when they were... Sorry, he came back two days l- later. He, he was in the UK when they were actually discovered missing. Uh, and he was in the UK the whole time up until the last time that he'd been seen there at the end of June. So he had a solid alibi. But it's always been thought that he was the inside man who helped somebody else or several other people to actually commit the crime. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and King
0: Edward was less than impressed with all of this.
1: Oh, um, one of King Edward's Aquaries wrote um, a kind of a memoir, as he did back then afterwards, and he said that he'd never seen the king so angry. Okay. Um, and Edward VII was a bit of grump anyway, so yeah, he was incandescent.
0: <laughs> William, thanks very much for sharing that story with us. That was William Darren there, curator at Dublin Castle.
1: Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.